we've entered this world where some leaders will discipline employees for using AI and others will promote them. Think about that. What organization you work for could lift it up or punish you or even fire you for the very same thing that someone else is getting promoted for. Hey, TDW Tribe, welcome to TDW Trends. I'm Nate Thompson. And I'm Alex Schwartz. And we are your hosts. We listen to your feedback and launch this new spinoff series dedicated to giving you quick insights on the key trends disrupting the workplace and reinventing the future of work. Whether you're a business leader navigating the new landscape, a professional trying to stay competitive, a side hustler, or a student, This podcast will deliver valuable insights, inspiration, and the edge you need. To ensure you don't miss any of our key content, find us on disruptedwork.com, where you can subscribe to our channels, access resources, discover solutions, and get in touch. Let's dive in. All right, TDW fans, today on the show, we are going to ask the question everyone is wondering, can you get fired for using chat GPT at work? Or more broadly, can you get fired for using generative AI at work? And the answer is yes, maybe, perhaps no, and it depends. What we can tell you is that the usage of generative AI applications like chat GPT, Bard, copy.ai, Midjourney, Dolly2, Stable Diffusion, and others are exploding at work. And according to a recent survey by Fishbowl, roughly 40% of you, 40% of workers are using it and nearly 70% of you aren't telling your boss or leader. So yeah, there's that. Yes, and as we've been sharing, recent studies show that general purpose AI is advancing at roughly 10X per year, which means in just two short years, this is going to be 100 times more advanced. and we're starting to see these come out as apps on a smartphone with ChatGPT showing up on Apple. So we assume that if you're using generative AI at work, you're probably enjoying it, you don't want to quit, and you would prefer not to get fired. Am I right? <laughs> yeah, seriously. What we know for sure is this conversation around my work versus AI's work is going to be a really big deal. And this is going to get just as blurry in some cases as the deep fakes that we spoke about in our last Trends episode. So Nate and I are going to break it down for you, what we're seeing, reading, hearing, how is this landscape evolving, and of course, key tips on how to use generative AI more responsibly for work. Now, have you heard that some people are actually becoming overemployed using generative AI? And I love this story. I don't love that they're fooling their employers, but it's wild because there are people that are taking on multiple full-time jobs at once because of how efficient ChatGPT has made them. There was a recent Vice article uh, that cited that ChatGPT users claiming to have taken on four full-time jobs simultaneously without their employers knowing it. Now, the point is that whatever you do for work, the efficiency of using this technology can be absolutely massive. Now, let's, let's debate this a little bit. Now, my sense is that this is a lagging indicator these people that are taking on multiple jobs at once. I think that based on everything that we've seen and heard in the news and a lot more leaders and employers are aware of the power of, of ChatGPT and generative AI and you know being able to pass off my work as AI's work if you're suddenly vastly more productive or your work product is changing, that that's going to be pretty obvious. So you think that leaders are going to start to shut this down? 
I think leaders are going to start to shut this down or become much more aware of what's happening. And yes, I think I think the days of having four jobs and having no one know it, I think those are over. Okay. I think there are still a lot of people who don't understand what generative AI is, how it's being used, or how it's supercharging productivity and efficiency. And because there is a lack of fundamental understanding, I think there are a lot of people who are going to still be able to do this for a while because leaders aren't quite sure how to act yet, especially on the the legal side of things. So I think we're in this gray area where people are going to test the boundaries. (laughs) And for a while, it's just going to continue to be like that. But I do think there's two different camps where we're really going to see this play out. And I think gig work is going to go full speed ahead with use of this. And uh, it's going to be the wild, wild west. I agree with that. I agree with the gig work point. Yeah. I think corporations are going to be the ones that are much, much quicker to restrict and ban. We will see. (laughs) <laughs> we will see. While it's everywhere in the media and not everyone cares, this is an important point, not everyone cares yet or is using generative AI. And I know it seems like it's everywhere and everyone's talking about it, but it kind of depends what circle you run in, including leaders. There are leaders who aren't quite sure what this is yet. So there's a decent chance that if you've tried it, you've maybe created some images for your social profiles using Lensa, or maybe you're uh, using testing or considering Microsoft's new office program, Copilot, which is chat GPT infused into the MS office suite. Alex, do we have to pay Microsoft every time we say Copilot? Yes, yes. One million dollars. <laughs> but in case you need a quick brush up, generative AI is essentially a form of artificial intelligence that uses vast amounts of data to create something new, synthetic content that's based on the inputs that we give it. So humans put in text-based prompts and AI generates text, images, voice, and even video. But here's the thing that has everyone in a tizzy. It can do things in seconds that are very complex. In other words, you could write a book and ask it to create all the images for the book and have that whole thing done in seconds, whereas that might take a person quite a long time. In fact, you might only get to a few ideas for your title by the time ChatGPT has created an entire book. Exactly. Now, for entertainment's sake, guys, we asked OpenAI's ChatGPT version 4 naturally to explain generative AI to me like I am four years old. And here's what it shot back. And I'm going to do my best John Mulaney impression on this uh, as I read it. John is the Saturday Night Live comedian who penned one of my favorite stand-up specials of all time, Kid Gorgeous, and more recently, Baby J, a comedic take on his horrible journey into drug addiction and rehab. Anyway, this is what Chad GPT had to say in John Mulaney voice. So again, asked it <laughs> to explain it to me like a four-year-old. Sure. Let's imagine we're playing with our favorite toy, a magical box of blocks. Each block has different shapes, colors, and pictures on it. Now, let's say you want to build a castle with your blocks, but you're not sure how to do it. Here's where the magical part comes in. Your toy box has a little fairy inside (laughs) it who's great at building things. You tell the fairy, I want a castle, and she starts building. She picks up a block, looks at its color, shape, and picture, and decides where it should go in the castle. She does this over and over, picking blocks and deciding where they fit best based on where she sees them and where she's already built. That's a lot how like generative AI works. It's like a little fairy inside a computer. We tell it what we want, like a story, a drawing, or a song, and it looks at all the blocks it knows, and it decides how to put them together to create something new. 
So there you have it, folks. Generative AI is the magic fairy in the castle and life will never be the same. Okay, so let's get back to can you get fired for using generative AI applications at work? The first thing that we want to call out is most employee engagements in the U.S. are at-will agreements for the private sector, which means you can get fired for cause. So for any reason, no reason, and potentially even a stupid reason, lying is one of those. Lying can be considered cause. So if you pass it off your work as my work versus AI's work, that might be problematic. So how are people getting caught? Well, it's early and many people aren't getting caught. But there are some emerging tools that check a document for authenticity and typically score the document on a percentage basis. If any of you were using Turnitin in college, this is a very a plagiarism tool. It's a very similar thing that's trying to catch AI. And it might say that 68% of this document was written by AI. But the problem is these checker tools are so new and they're also built on AI. So they're problematic. They're half-baked, right? So we aren't sure how accurate they are. And the question is, are people being penalized or punished for false positives? Yeah. And that's something that we foreshadow that's going to happen in the workplace. And that's currently happening in education where this battleground between my work and AI's work is arguably the hottest right now. Teachers and professors are literally up in arms about students' use of AI at high school, collegiate, and postgraduate levels. And there was an article earlier this month in The Atlantic titled, The First Year of College AI Ends in Ruin. And this was talking a lot about the diagnostic tool that you just mentioned, Nate, Turnitin, which was being used with very mixed effect, determining what work is partially written by AI, totally by AI, completely original with no AI. And the problem is that when it uses these AI tools to detect, it also detects for grammar checkers, which create false positives. And also people that write predictably can be misdiagnosed as having used AI. So there's also a recent article in Tech Radar where reporter Craig Hale was mistakenly accused of using AI for his work by his boss based on an AI checker tool, right? And after Hale goes on a deep dive of fake versus real editorial content, he comes to find that the articles perceived by AI checker tools to be 100% fake were actually 100% genuine, including articles that were deemed fake or partially written by AI that were predecessors of ChatGPT. So again, it's messy, it's early, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I mean, basically the way that I see it is that we're going to have this race, right? The tools are going to be racing to keep up with the AI in terms of their ability to accurately diagnose. And the generative AI tools are going to continue to get better and better and have more nuance and sound more and more like us. So it's going to be harder. Yeah, it's going to stay blurry for a while. I think that because these are half-baked, we're going to get into a lot of employment challenges and legal challenges where people are being unfairly punished or fired. Imagine that you're great at what you do. And then somebody comes in with a half-baked checker and then goes, Alex, I got to let you go. You didn't write this. And you're like, whoa, Tiger, I actually did write that. And this whole mess ensues. And, and then there's bad blood and then there's all this stuff. So this idea of water... And, and that's, what happened to, that's what happened to Craig Hale, right? His boss came to him initially and said, hey, I, I think this article you wrote, I, I, I don't think it's real. And he's just like, hang on, hold up. Hang on. Yeah. So the AI water, yeah. watermark is actually something that we've been talking about for a while. And 
if it's possible for AI to just stamp a watermark to go this section, this paragraph, this sentence, whatever was written by AI, that would help a lot. Now, you could also get potentially fired for leaking data to chat GPT or generative AI. There was this big story at Samsung. Some of you probably heard it. This is reported by The Economist in Korea and effectively three unique instances of three separate employees unintentionally leaking information to ChatGBT. This included unique code, an internal meeting. So now ChatGBT can use all this information to train on, right, and potentially help others, including competitors, depending on who is using it. So the big takeaway here is that ChatGPT is not owned by the company you work for unless you work for Open.ai. It's a third-party application. And this is what most companies are freaking out about, right? It's they're having their sensitive information leaked by employees trying to save time by using ChatGPT. And not surprisingly, some companies are banning and restricting generative AI apps. This includes Samsung, Apple, Goldman Sachs, Verizon, Deutsche Bank, Northrop Grumman, and Accenture. And Apple notably is developing its own internal AI tool, which Alex and I think most organizations are going to race to their own generative AI tools for obvious reasons. And Amazon apparently has an internal bot called Code Whisperer for its developers. Now, whether these will be permanent bans, partial restrictions, or wait and see is TBD. It's worth noting that since OpenAI just launched its iPhone app, detecting and or banning the use of these apps at work is going to get harder and harder because now it's also in the pocket. What has he got in his pocket, says? (laughs) On the other side of that, Microsoft, Salesforce, Band & Co, Snap, Instacart, Grammarly, and Shopify are just some of the organizations who are off to the races by putting ChatGPT in their products. So it is the wild, wild west right now. Look, generally, we feel that there's a pretty distinct difference between using generative AI as a trusted advisor versus using generative AI to complete entire projects and pass it off as your own. What we do know is we're entering a world where it's unclear whether a leader should penalize or promote employees who are adept at using AI tools to complete work in 30 minutes, which might have taken them three days, even if it's unclear where an employee's work ended and AIs began. We've entered this world where some leaders will discipline employees for using AI and others will promote them. Think about that. What organization you work for could lift it up or punish you or even fire you for the very same thing that someone else is getting promoted for. So we foresee massive legal and privacy issues on this front. There's going to be employment, expectation, incentive, performance reviews. All this kind of stuff is in the crosshairs. At the center of it is what constitutes work is going to need to be redefined. It's also likely that increasingly employers will demand employees use internal versions. As Alex and I were saying, it's just too risky to have all your data out in somebody else's third-party application. So um, that's going to be a big, big part of it. And then finally, this idea of the divvying up of who's doing the work. So we've entered this workforce of human plus AI. Who's actually doing the work and how much of it? As a side note, regulating AI for work and society in general is necessary and has begun, but it's quite hard. After a presentation earlier this month in which OpenAI founder Sam Altman presented to a bipartisan congressional audience, thank you so much, bipartisan audience, Congresswoman Anna Eshu from California said, you have to understand something before you can accept or reject it. But then it's like getting socks on an octopus. 
because it covers everything. We love that quote. Aki's on the Aki. (laughs) So our one sentence answer is, we strongly recommend proceeding with generative AI with caution. Look, folks, we're not lawyers. We sometimes play them on TV. So if you're looking for a little more detail, here's the six key points that you need to know in pseudo-legalese from myself and Nate so you don't get fired. With the big disclaimer that industries and companies are different, so be sure to do your homework. The space is remarkably fluid, so expect things to change in the next few weeks, not months. Number one, when in doubt, learn on your home computer and run whatever experiments you want without worrying about doing it at work. Two, check your company policies. Typically, this would be in your IT or cybersecurity policy. This is a very new third-party system that presents a lot of risk to organizations. ChatGPT records and stores transcripts of your conversations and work. This means any information you put into the chat, including personal, private, or confidential information, is logged and used as training data. Clean your data, boys and girls. Number three, check with your leadership and be transparent. It is possible and probably already has happened that your CEO or leadership team have presented a memo to the organization to say, hey, this is our position on generative AI. Number four, if it is banned or restricted, that information will be available to you. Follow the guidelines, including IT, cybersecurity, legal compliance, and any restrictions in your client contracts. If you don't, you're putting yourself and possibly your company at risk. Yes, consider upgrading to the plus version or paid version as these tools get more sophisticated. They're going to become better for the corporate environment, and that is usually an upgrade. But you're also going to want to Uh, Be very careful that you're not sharing that any of that confidential information that's yours, that's part of the team, the customer partner data, and just staying away from any violations that could put you at risk. Yeah. Number six, if you still want to run tests or experiments, do it safely. This means asking for permission from your leader and the new technology board or team. Set up a testing environment. It's critical to ensure nothing enters the business or production networks until the key stakeholders have signed off. Now you might ask, but hey, how does this apply to me if I'm an entrepreneur? It's my company. If it's your company, it's up to you, but you still must be aware of and adhere to the same legal privacy, confidentiality, and ethical considerations. And I feel like I need to go and like wash my brain out after all that legalese we just shared with you. You're you're an all right pseudo lawyer. (laughs) Okay. So we're grateful. Like let's just bring home the gratitude and hope here. We are grateful for any tools that help us automate work and give us more time to focus on what matters most, like our family, like our relationships, like our communities, right? So clearly it's a brave new world and it's going to take time to figure out when, where, and how to use these generative AI apps. But once we get it figured out, the promise of generative AI is really exciting. So yes, there will be fear-based narratives and the media will play the media game that they always play. Don't take debate, right? We are here to remind you that technological advances aren't new. They're woven into the history of humanity. We must remember that AI is not inherently good or bad. It's a tool that humans built, and it's up to us to decide and work together to use generative AI to significantly elevate humanity. Yes. Thank you for listening and joining us on this journey. In a world where attention is scarce and content is abundant, it means a lot. 
To learn more about this episode, go to disruptedwork.com where you can subscribe to our channels, find show notes and key details about our guests, the episode and connect with us. Our website also contains additional resources for learning, including our future of work mindset model and action plan. You know someone who would appreciate this episode? To help others thrive in the future of work, spread the word by rating and reviewing the podcast and sharing favorite episodes with the people you care about. Disrupt yourself and own your future. Oh,